Hey, this is Max, and welcome to the Ronin System Podcast. Today, I got another special guest. It is Richard. Richard, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, Max, uh, it's it's great to be on, on the show. Um, I got to say, I love the way that, that we connect in today's world. We connected on Reddit, so it's it's very <laughs> uh, in, in, the, in this day and age how we, we can connect with people wherever wherever we are. Um, yeah, so I live in the Midwest, uh, Midwest USA. Um, I work in marketing, been working in marketing for 20-ish years, and that just seems crazy to say nowadays, but worked in a variety of fields, but but my true love is storytelling. So whether that's writing a book, writing, I'm working on a children's book right now, which is a lot harder than you might think it, it is, <laughs> um, or, or just working for whatever company or agency that I'm, that I'm at. Um, and then I also do speaking as well on the topic of marketing and leadership. And so kind of got my hand in a bunch of areas on top of chasing an almost two-year-old around the house. So um, I, my, my whole mantra is, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get to it, is, is just whatever I do, I want to live it well. I, at the end of my life, I just want to know that, that, I, that I lived uh, the best life that I could. So I'm excited to kind of dive into what all that means and uh, see what I might learn about myself during this period. I love it. I love it. So you, you're writing a children's book. Trying to. Is trying the, to. Is the okay. word. <laughs> so I, I had a, a really rough first draft, shared it with a friend of mine, and he was like, well, the story's good, but there was no rhyming. And I was like, I, <laughs> you just don't think about that. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I need to figure out rhyming. And that's really really hard to do <laughs> oh yeah for sure i mean so uh, if you don't mind me asking like what is the i guess the uh, premise of it sure so it, it actually really ties back to the the idea of live it well and um the choices that kids make as they're as they're growing up and they're learning the world around them so this first one is all about um two friends and the the one that one of the main characters just decides whatever the circumstance she wants to have fun and 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 so like so it's a rainy day and she's just i'm gonna put on my rain boots and i'm gonna go jump in puddles and her friend doesn't want to do that um but then she convinces him and he's like oh this is actually kind of fun and i'm gonna just choose to embrace whatever circumstance that i'm in um and, and i think as adults we sometimes forget that kind of approach to life to kind of just jump in the puddles and run through the rain and it, it okay so you're gonna get wet that's the worst that's gonna happen to you in a rainstorm right so um, just trying to to convey that to kids um, who are very impressionable. So it's I'm excited to do it and figure out all the the verbiage and stuff because um, I try and teach that to my daughter as well. Okay, so the, I guess the premise is, is like to uh, you know, like you said, live life to the fullest and and really just kind of embrace the uh, the liveliness of of life. I guess um, what's I guess it's like kind of like the moral of the story is that uh, that one quote where it's like um, you don't you don't stop playing when you grow old, you, you grow old when you stop playing kind of, kind of idea. 100%. So I've, my favorite band is Switchfoot. Um, and to any Switchfoot fans out there, hello. Um, <laughs> and on their, on their, I think it's on the latest album. They have a song that's actually called live it well. And, and one of the, the, the lines is life is short, live it well. And so I actually got that as a tattoo recently because I wanted to remind myself of that every day that, uh, it is short and I want to live every moment as well and as, as vibrantly as I can. And you know, with adults, it's hard sometimes you've, you've got, you've got to do the laundry and mow the lawn and shovel the snow and you know, all, all those things, but remembering that we can still live and enjoy each moment and, and take in each moment as beautiful as it is, is so important. And, and we pass that on, you know, if you're a parent or going to be a parent or if you're an aunt, uncle, whatever, the, 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 the kids in your life see that. And so living that outwardly is so important and so empowering. And even to the adults around you, like if they see that you're not all crazy all the time, man, it's so, it's so uplifting to have that around you. Yeah, for sure. So this, I guess, is it going to be a series or just like, I, I, I want it to be a series ideally because I've got a couple different like uh, ideas, lessons. Okay. But yeah. That I'd want to, because like there's one there's one book that we read it's uh pig the pug it's about a, a pug puppy who doesn't want to share his toys with his his uh brother dog and by the end he learns that sharing is very important and it's like that's a really simple lesson told in a creative way um and so like i hope she's getting that so like yeah i definitely want to make it a, a series of kind of life lessons for for kids i dig it what was the um what was the inspiration? Like what was the, the moment that you kind of came up with this and started pursuing it? So it's a great, it's a great story. And I'll, I'll I will shorten it up. Um, <laughs> I gave it, I gave a speech last February. So six, seven months ago 
Um, and it was actually called Choose Joy. And it was about a week in my family's life two years ago, almost two years ago to the day, where over the course of, of uh, four days, four really bad things happened. Um, so on the first day, my husband lost his job. He was let go. So that's one thing. Day two, um, I lost him. And so that's two bad things. On the third day, uh, a dear family friend passed away from cancer. So that's three bad things in three days. We got one day off Thursday. And then Friday, um, the, the woman who, who was our birth mother decided um, upon having her baby that she wanted to keep that baby. So four bad things over the course of really five days. Um, and, and at the end of it, we were, we, were, we were just stunned and kind of out of emotions at that point. And so I gave the speech and told this whole story. And the lesson at the end of it was on that Saturday, after all this bad happened, we were just like, we've got to get out of the house. We need to go do something. We need to reset our energy level. And so in that moment, uh, we decided to go get ice cream. And it sounds really dumb and really small, but it was so empowering to just kind of retake all that negativity and all that, that bad energy and just say, we're going to have some fun. We're going to try and find joy in all of this bad stuff. And so it was, it was through telling that story that I came up with the idea of even when it's bad, you can still choose to find the joy in the little moments in the, in, in the life that you have. And so that's really, was the, that was the inspiration for how do I create this really adult experience and turn it into some, some very childlike uh, lessons. Yeah, actually, I, I really vibe with that actually, because telling that story, I didn't even realize the whole concept of like, oh, it's raining, we can't do anything. You know, it's like everyone has this like idea of like, it's a rainy day, it's a gloomy day. But in reality, you know, th th there is some joy in it and there is a different way to look at it, you know, so that's actually, I like it, you know, that's, that's, that's a really good sort of, um, I don't even know the word, like an analogous storytelling, you know, it's, it's, it's very yeah. viable, you know, I, I, especially in today's, you know, current climate with, with everything going on and like the huge uh, sort of, um, I guess, growth of, of people coming out with their, with their pains and their struggles and, and really sort of embracing sure life with it um and you actually i remember we we had actually uh talked about how you are an advocate for um alzheimer's correct or autism yeah, correct yeah so alzheimer's. Uh, alzheimer's yeah why don't you tell me about that yeah so um i've actually uh known three people who have who have who have um have fought or are are, are fighting alzheimer's um and it's funny. So I started to volunteer with, with the Alzheimer's Association uh, five or six years ago, just because I felt like they were, they were one of those causes that wasn't getting enough publicity. They, and I felt like they needed it. And so I was like, you know what, I'll volunteer some time. And it, it, I didn't have a connection to the disease at that point, which isn't a bad thing. In fact, it's a really good thing. Um, but I was driving one day and I, I was talking to my dad and it just kind of hit me. Oh, we had my great aunt once moved away from where we were to go live with her daughter down in Arizona because she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And I was like, I did, I do know somebody. And then since then I've known um, another dear family friend and then a neighbor who I grew up, grew up next door to um, now has dementia. And so um, it's a cause that I fight really hard for um, both on raising money, raising awareness. I work on the policy side. I work on training side. Um, and just raising awareness because the more the more it's one of those diseases that unlike um, you know a cancer or an ALS or um, any number of other diseases that diseases that are very public like when you're fighting those that your coworkers know um, your your friends and family know Alzheimer's is a very quiet disease where the person just kind of tightens that circle around them and so shining a light on that is super important and um, we've been really lucky over the last five to ten years to to gain some medical um, insight uh, into the disease, what causes the disease. We're not where we want to be. There's still, you know, 10, 10 years probably, but we're getting closer on, you know, is there a way we can do a blood, a blood test early in life to know that, that you have a propensity to, to develop this disease? We're learning about other health factors and things like that. And so um, there's so much work to be done. And it's so important, not only from uh, the person who's, you know, diagnosed with Alzheimer's, but um, the, the, the caretakers. I mean, you're talking about adults who quit their jobs, stay home with mom or dad, and the impact that it has on them and their mental health and their physical health. I mean, it's, it's debilitating to the entire family. And so that's 
also an un, it's a forgotten piece of this disease. So we're, there's a lot of work to be done and I'm passionate about it. And, and uh, one day, hopefully we'll be able to say we, we found the solution to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I mean, personally, I have never had, or at least I don't think I've met anyone with, with Alzheimer's or dementia. Um, and it's, it's getting to that point in my life. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still relatively, I would say I'm young. A lot of people say I'm young. I'm, I'm 20, I'm 27. Um, but, um, it, it's getting to that point where I'm starting to see like my aunts, my uncles, my, my, uh, the, the generation above them, like my grandparents, my grandparents are gone, but, but like their brothers, their sisters, um, all those people sure. that are generations older than me, I, I see, you know, like you said, like the physical deterioration, some of them have cancer, some of them have, uh, like heart disease, yeah. things that are, are, are physically visible, you know, things that you, you when you're walking down yeah. the street, you can see someone having these issues, like, like, um, you know, it, it's very readily apparent, but when you see someone that could have Alzheimer's or does have Alzheimer's or anything like those, like those mental diseases, you, you, you just don't know. And, and don't know, a lot of times, right. yeah, a lot of times it's just, Oh, you chalk it up to being like, oh, they're just a little off today or they're crazy or, right. or even worse that they're, they're just not, they're, they're, they're a different type of human. I, I feel really bad saying something like that. Like they're not, um, there. It, it just, because for, for me, it's like, it's been like a long, long time of, of trying to push the idea that mental illness is a real thing and that we need to pay attention to it more often and, and we need to do things about it. And we can't always just say of oh, if someone looks like they're going crazy on the street, that they are crazy, you know, that's, that's, that's not an okay thing to think and, and, and to just not do anything about it. You know, there's gotta be something we can do. And, and um, you know, I, I'm glad there's someone like you out there where, where we're actually, you're actually working hard and you're, you're, you're advocating for, for this awareness and for just overall mental health. Um, so that's, that's something I applaud you for something I respect you for. Well, I appreciate that. And, and, and I mean, mental health is another thing that is so important. I mean, we're both, we're both men and I feel like we've come a long way in 10 or 15 years of being men being open about, about, um, uh, their, their mental health. I had, I had, uh, an after work meeting today with someone who I respect and he's a CEO and, um, we were just having a conversation about life and that kind of thing. And he mentioned that. Uh, he advocates with all the men that he meets that like, you should go to therapy. Like you should, like we take care of our broken arm. Like why wouldn't you take care of a head that doesn't feel right? And it was so refreshing to hear him say that. And I was like, yeah, I've gone to therapy too. Like it's important. Um, it's not always pretty, uh, but that's okay. And, and being open and honest about that is so empowering when you just say, yeah, I've been going to therapy for five years. I feel great. Like it's just a, it's, it's no different than the chiropractors, no different than your annual checkup, you know, and, and being open about that. And if it's not good, like, it's also okay to be open about that. You know, I, I use the hashtag all the time. It, the, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, for, for me, this is, this is my therapy, you know, getting yeah. to talk about my experiences and getting to talk about my thoughts. It, it's, I think that's something that's really missing. Um, and it's something that we're slowly starting to get, you know, especially with social media where, uh, you see all these people that actually like, uh, put, put out these videos or put out these messages of, of them actually opening up and, and being real, not just to, you know, a trained professional who can actually like help them dig deep, but also just to everyday people, because I think that's a brilliant way to not just, you know, for them to give them some sort of like relief and some sort of, um, release but also to to show other people that look it, it can be done and should be done you know um and actually mm -hmm. you know it's really interesting because the past few episodes um that's been a very common topic is is the idea of of men being more vulnerable you know that's that's something that's just i'm always pushing for i have been pushing for like it's you know it's okay to cry it's okay to to feel and it's okay to to in, sort of embrace a, a gentler side you know you know it's so funny you said the way you said that it's it's okay to feel because it's true like if you're if, if you're a sports fan you feel the highs and the lows if you're sports <laughs> yeah. team, right like why is it any different than you feeling happy or sad about life or work or your relationship like it's no different yeah let, exactly. yourself, let yourself feel that and and own it and, and experience all those emotions because you'll be so much stronger when you when you allow yourself to do that yeah, I mean, it, so 
you you said you were from the Midwest, um, and yeah. I remember you saying you were coming from like a, a more conservative family. Uh, so I, I'm I can't assume, but I, I would have to assume that you know you you raised in sort of this this mentality of of be a man. You know, you got to man up. Is is that does that track? You know, it's so interesting. That's a, I've never really thought about it that way. Um, I don't think that was ever said in that way, but I think it was probably implied, and especially. Um, not from my father, um, but more from his dad. So my grandpa probably had that more than him. Um, so grandpa's been gone for nearly 20 years now. And I, I can see that my dad has softened quite a bit, especially in the last 10 years. Uh, maybe that was having grandkids. I, I don't really know what, <laughs> what caused it. Um, but, but I do think it was, it's, it is a generational thing of, of that idea that, that men need to be tough. And, you know, I, I, I admit that in the early days of my daughter and she's almost two, um, when she, you know, hits her head or, you know, she starts crying about something, I instinctively would go to her and say, it's okay. It doesn't hurt. I'm, and then it, it kind of hit me. It's like, I don't know how that feels. Like I can't tell her it doesn't hurt. If it hurts, it hurts. Right. Yeah. So embrace their emotion. You can still, call, you know, be like, it's going to be okay. Like I, I've been there. I know, you know, you can kind of coach them through that, but telling someone how to feel no matter what age is the, is not right you know? And so I think the more that we empower our young boys, especially um, to feel their feelings, man, the be- the, the stronger men they're going to grow up to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, um, you know, I, I was a big crybaby when I was a kid and uh, I had an older <laughs> brother in all honesty. Yeah. I was a huge crybaby, like all the way until I was like probably middle school, middle of middle school, at least, you know, I, I was very emotional kid. Um, and you know, it's not like my my parents ever pushed this idea of, of, of men don't cry or anything like that. You know, I've seen my father cry, um, but it it's really interesting because I, I could never express myself in front of them, even though they didn't have those those sort of uh, ideologies taught, like pushed on me. You know, it was, it was more society doing that because you would see the I would see these TV shows. I would see these these movies, all this all this stuff presented to me where you know it's like the tough guys you know and and that that sort of forced me i guess to to bottle up my emotions um and and i really attribute that to being one of the reasons why i had like certain issues like mentally um i I don't know exactly why i had certain (laughs) those certain issues you know like um i'm not sure if you listened to my previous podcast but i talked about how you know, when I was in high school and, and, and even towards college, I, I was actually, you know, pretty depressed, pretty um, borderline suicidal. And yeah. I didn't know why, you know, like, again, my parents were great. They were great to me. Um, my brother was a fantastic inspiration. Um, I didn't have anything to feel this way, but I just felt this way, you know, and I could never express it until years and years later when I just said, hey, you know, fuck it. It, it doesn't matter anymore. You know, if it's, yeah if this is me, this is me, you know, that, that sort of idea. Yeah. And and you going into your emotions, like in that way is, is, um, empowering because it allows you to take control of them. Like they don't control you. Like they're going to be, they're there. uh, They're a part of you and that's okay. And then you can understand where, where they're coming from and how do you manage them and let them, you know, be a part of your life without controlling your life. And that's, again, that's where it comes down to that, that, you know, it's okay to not be okay. And, and you can work through that. And, and if you need to get help, get help. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've been there too. Like, I know what that's like. And um, it's not a fun place to be. But uh, understanding that, that you can work through it, and there's resources and um, uh, there's, there's always uh, the sunshine coming up the next day is always something that I tried to always remember, even when it was bad and dark, like, the sun will come up tomorrow, and you can you can get to that point, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's always dark before the dawn kind of idea. Right. <laughs> so um, I guess we got to dig into your childhood a little bit, you know, being from a conservative family and also being, uh, you know, hom- homosexual man, you ha- you have, uh, again, I don't want to assume, but I, I'm, it's just like this mental image of, of being in a, from a conservative family, from a conservative area of, of the country yeah. and, and being who you are, you know, like, you, you got to have some, some stories, some, some, you know, some messages, you know, how long is our show today? Um, <laughs> it's, 
so everybody has their own story, obviously, and their own way of coming to who they are, whether you're gay, straight, bi, or asexual, like it's all your own journey. And, and uh, for me, it was a bit checkered in the sense that, uh, so I, I graduated high school in 2002, and um, I think it was in 2000, and oh boy, five, six, or seven, I forget what year it was, but not terribly long after that. Um, I actually went back to my high school and spoke um, at their GSA meeting, their Gay Straight Alliance meeting. We didn't have a GSA when I was in high school. I, I, so, so just going back to speak with those group of students who inspired me, um, it just tells you how far we've come in the time that, you know, that, that, that uh, I've been in high school. Um, so I was not out in high school. It was not a safe place for me to be. Um, it, my family wouldn't have handled it well. They didn't handle it well anyway when I did come out a couple of years after that. Um, it didn't, for me, I didn't even accept that part of myself until I'd been in college for three years. Um, and, I, I, you know, I don't want to say I regret that because it's, it was my own process of, of coming to that. Um, but I hate that I was unable to like experience certain things as, as you kind of grow up, so to speak. Um, and I remember some of those first people that I told how worried I was that, that they would reject me for whatever, for whatever reason. And, um, I'll never forget, um, when I told my best friend, um, he was a freshman in college and, uh, I'd gone up to see him for the weekend. We hadn't seen each other for a while. So I kind of made a weekend visit and, uh, he had thought that I had decided to enlist in the air force <laughs> I talking about. And so I, I told him and he, and he looks at me and he reaches out and he grabs my hand and he's like, that's it. You got to hug me. Like it was so <laughs> not an issue. And it, it was just, I was like, that's the best thing you could have ever said to me. Um, and then he, I ended up being the best man in his wedding. He was the best man in mine. And, um, you know, it's, there was, there was, there was, the challenge for me was probably mostly a reconciling the faith I was, was raised in and then B trying to reconcile the society that I was living in at the time. And like I said, we've come a long way on both fronts. I mean, they were I'm not Catholic, but a lot of friends, the Pope came out today and said that uh, same-sex unions are okay. I saw that, yeah. Wow, that's a big deal, you know? So so for a a young Catholic boy or girl, like, that's probably big news for them today. Um, And I know what my faith taught me. It was not, this is okay. And so it's, um, all those things were were roadblocks on my own journey. Um, I'm so glad I came, came through that, to your point, you know, the, the, uh, I forget I'm gonna get it wrong the dot the, the dark whatever it was dark before the dawn we'll yeah just yeah that. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> um, and and so like now I consider myself a person of faith I don't adhere to any one faith um, that's the way that I've kind of reconciled that in my life and kind of how I want to raise how we want to raise our daughter is that there's many different ways to approach your own religion whatever that is I tend to believe that love is my religion and, and that's how I try and kind of, kind of roll with it. So I'm not sure if that answered your question. There's so many ways I could take that, but. Um, no, I love that. that. Short I love word. that. It's a, it's a great story. And um, you know, it's actually something that I, I think it's very common. You know, it's, it's all too yeah. common where, where there's this idea that you can't open up and that you gotta, you gotta stay in the quote unquote closet and um you know, I actually had uh, some some people come out to me as well, and uh, I did have the same reaction as your best friend. You know, it's just like is that is that all you got? Like that's yeah. awesome. Like you know, it's like it's always like this harrowing moment where they're like, "Hey, can we talk?" Or like, "I got something to tell you," and it's just like, "Oh God, what is it gonna be?" And it's like, you know, it's like, uh, "Yeah, I'm I'm gay" or something like that, and it's just like, "All right." cool you want to grab some yeah but i will say like having having done that it's it is a huge monkey off your back Mm -hmm. like just a huge weight every time you did it and now Mm -hmm. like um it's i have more fun with it now as an adult um especially when you meet new people um you know see the wedding ring or whatever like oh what's your wife doing like oh my husband works for so and so it's like oh i'm like i'm not offended i'm having fun with you right now you know (laughs) so (laughs) so you should you should twist it on them and be like well i'm not sure what my wife's doing right now but my husband you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> <That's so good. laughs> 
<laughs> it's a um, fun, uh, fun little story. Actually, the, the, the reason I thought of that was because um, I have a friend, he's, he's, he has a twin brother, identical twin brother. And they like, you could not tell them apart. I don't think their mother could tell them apart. They look the exact same. And we're at uh, Savannah, Savannah, Georgia for this race. And we're sitting in the lobby and my girlfriend comes down and uh, she goes up to, to my friend, uh, my friend's brother actually. And is like, it's like, Hey, where's David? And it's like, um, I don't know. I don't know where, where Nathaniel is, but I'm David. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it was, <laughs> so I, I take that. And it's like, anytime someone gets like this sort of, I wouldn't say confusion, but sort of this, uh, this assumption, just kind of throw it back at them and be like, Oh, I'm not sure where they are, but you know, but yeah, you know, it's just such, I, I, again, I think it's like, I wouldn't say, um, I guess it would be my generation, right? Millennials, as well as like Gen Z, where there's a lot of people more realizing that, you know, they're not, it doesn't have to be like, you have to be this, this sort of cookie cutter mold, you know, everyone's right. unique, everyone's different. And you're able to express that you're free to express that. And, and I, I guess it's a give and take, you know, because there still are those people out there. Um, I'm sure you like, I hope you haven't experienced any of these like hardcore sort of like Westboro Baptist type people yeah. <laughs> or anything like that. Um, but you know, there, there are people out there like that and, and it's, it's hard. I, w- I would imagine. It is hard. And I, I, I don't know. I've never experienced that. Um, but I have, I mean, like, like you said, I mean, I grew up here in the, in the Midwest in a pretty conservative part of part of the country and, and, various members of my family um, worked in the church. And so um, they did not handle it well. I'd have never handled it well. And that's okay. Like that's, if that's who, who, what you believe in, I'm going to respect it. I think it's the wrong um, way to exercise um, what, what you believe, but believe that there. Um, And it's just sad because my daughter will never know that, you know? And, And so, so she misses out. Like it's just this perpetual thing of, she misses out because you have this belief that prohibits you from, from experiencing our life. And so um, that part sucks. I mean, it really yeah. sucks, but um, which is why I say our love is more, more, our, our religion is more love than anything because, you know, we want her to not only if it's, if it's religion, if it's sexual orientation, if it's nationalities, like we want her just to embrace everything and embrace everybody. Um, because I firmly believe that hate is taught. And so the more that we can show her that we're all just kind of here doing the best we can, um, we all have, have big hearts and we all have challenges, the better world that she's going to, the better she's going to be able to, to live in the world and, you know, hopefully make even more change than I can. So, um, you know, it's uh, the more that, that we can show that as adults, you know, you're a young millennial, I'm an old millennial. Um, you know, we've, we're doing the best we can. Uh, some days it's harder than others, but, uh, each day is a, another opportunity to do better. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the whole, like building a strong foundation for your kids is, is just such, um, for me personally, you know, I'm, I'm not a parent or anything. I mean, I have a dog, but, um, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I, that's one of my biggest fears, I guess, is, is making sure that I can not just provide for them, like whenever they come, like provide for them right. then, but for, for the future, you know, prepare them for, for a better life, but also yeah. prepare them for, um, I guess what, what I've experienced and what, what other people have experienced to, to let them know that like, you know, you're, you're in a better place, but this isn't something that you should ignore or forget that right. this is how we got here, you know, hundred yep. percent. That should actually be a book for you. <laughs> don't give me more projects to do <laughs> later down the line just write it down <laughs> yeah <laughs> so with the book process actually um circling back to that like how does how does that actually work so you, you're just i guess typing it on your computer or something so for this one i started on the computer and i didn't feel like if you're writing a you know a long form book a computer makes total sense um but i wasn't finding a that the the creativity was there um or I, I was just having struggle. I was struggling even like picturing where this, where this, where this line ends and where does the rhyming need to happen. So I'm doing it all just on paper now with like post-it notes and moving them around and like 
can I get that? How can I tighten that sentence to have it be five words instead of seven? Like, it's so hard. And now you now I understand why like authors aren't cranking out children's books every five minutes because it's hard. Yeah. Um, you know, you need to have a, a life lesson in a matter of like 10 pages, you know? So <laughs> yeah. Is, is it going to be, um, I guess one of those more traditional ones where it's like a picture book as well? Yeah. Yeah. So my, my best friend's sister is actually an illustrator. And so I've talked wow. to her and she wants to do the illustrations. So like now it's on me to get the words done so she can do the, do the illustrations. Then we're going to try and pitch it out and see, see where it goes. Yeah. How, how long has the process been? How long has the process been? Um, I've been working on it off and on. Yeah. So I've been working on it. Uh, a couple of months when I feel the creative energy to, to do that. Um, it's getting closer. Um, like I said, like that first draft, like I look back at it now and I'm like, Oh, that was atrociously bad. <laughs> like it wasn't, would never pass for a children's book. Um, but getting closer, getting closer. Yeah. I actually like that. So how, how, how I mean, I couldn't imagine writing a book, especially a children's book. Like, how are you balancing all this? You know, being a father, being a, a soon-to-be book writer, an author, as well as having like a full-time yeah. job. Yeah. Um, it's all about pri- having the priorities that you want and being present in those priorities. So um, we scheduled this to happen at eight o'clock my time. Um, so I get home about five. And so from five to seven, it's, it's family time. So we don't have our phones. TVs might be on if there's a, you know, a program on that she wants to watch or, you know, inter- entertained by. Um, but five to seven is family time. And then if it's my night to put her to bed, seven to seven thirty is put her to bedtime, you know, bath and read, read books. Um, and then, then it's whatever priority is next. So tonight it was, was this, was this podcast and um, other nights it's, I just want to read other nights. It's, I, I need to make something in the kitchen. It's just, it's all about knowing what those priorities are. And then being present for those priorities, and I think I definitely learned that from my father. Um, we we had three kids, you know, I had two other siblings growing up, um, and he worked full time. Mom worked sometimes full time, sometimes part time, but he was always present. You know, whatever we were doing, like whether it was house stuff, or he was taking me out golfing, or he picked up a tennis racket to play with me because I didn't want to play baseball; I wanted to play tennis. So he picked, he learned out how to do it, and so I, I, I'm trying to take that lesson that he gave me of. Um, you, if my daughter wants me to go dancing with her, I will go dancing with her. I'm a terrible dancer, but if that's what she wants, then she will get that time from me. So like this past weekend, um, my husband needed to do some work and I was like, you know what? I'll take, I'll take, I'll take her and the dog out to the dog park. We'll have, we'll have a good afternoon. And we did like, it was a great day. Um, and so it, it's just, I stay up late sometimes. I'm up, I'm up early every day. Um, cause that time is my time, my time. Um, but it's just, it's having those priorities, but it also means on the flip side that sometimes I have to cut stuff out. You know, I recently came to the realization I had to cut something out, which I love, but it was like, I I don't love it as much as I love other things. And so it's got to go, you know, it's the tough call, but, but, um, I only have so many hours in the day and I know how I want to spend those hours. Yeah. I actually like that because, um, I, I do something pretty similar, you know, working that, that regular, uh, nine to five, I guess now it's like eight to five, but like, I guess fragmenting your, your hours, you know, we all have certain amount of hours and we all need, uh, like that me time, you know, that, that personal time. And, you know, yours is, is more in the morning, like you said, or sometimes at night, but mine's definitely at night, you know, that this, like, this is the block that I have, you know, like, like, and I'm so glad you actually took the time out of your days to actually, uh, you know, do this podcast with me. It's, It's, it, this is like one of those my times kind of thing, but it's, yep. you know, I get to meet great people like you and, and, and that's awesome. Um, so if you don't mind me asking, like, what, what was that thing you gave up? So I used to do, I mean, I'm finishing some of it up right now, but um, as I said in my intro that like marketing is my big skill set that somehow I kind of stumbled into. Um, and I used to do some consulting on actual like strategy on the side. So companies would hire me to do, their social strategy or build websites for them or things like that. And, and I can do that stuff in my sleep. Like I'm good at it. Um, I'm able to build those strategies, but I was, I was going to, to work um, eight to five and I was coming home. I was having family time and then I was doing more of the same stuff. And I was like, I'm, I'm spending way too much time doing this one thing 
that while, yeah, it, it's, it's a nice side hustle. I, I'm not challenged by it anymore. I'm not, it's just not how I want to spend my time. And so I, I came to the realization this past summer and I was just like, I think it's time to stop doing it. And it was this, it was this weight off my shoulders. Like, okay, I can go do other things now. And so, um, it's, it's sad on some fronts cause I do enjoy some of the, the, the work I've done, but, uh, it was time. Yeah. I like that. This, the, the side hustle that didn't hustle enough, you know, that's, it's actually a great, uh, <laughs> that's a great thing because, um, you know, for me, like I have a lot of these, I wouldn't call them side hustles. They're definitely, um, what most people would consider hobbies. I consider them passions like jujitsu and, 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 uh, fitness in general. Um, as well as I'm, I'm a pretty avid gamer and recently, okay. you know, I've had to sort of step back from everything. And now I'm sort of realizing I can treat it more like sort of like on a school, school schedule, you know, like in school, there's, there's sports that are, are like extracurriculars that are done in seasons and I can basically manage my life in terms of seasons, you know? Sure. And so I don't know. I, I just think it's, um, it's a fantastic idea, especially in, again, this, this world where everything is super fast paced and we, we have to know what we want to do and, and do what we love. But in the end, we don't really get the opportunity to do what we love, but you know, it's, it's actually pretty inspiring hearing that you are actually able to do things you love. And even if you have to give up certain things that you love or certain things you're good at, you're still able to, um, I guess, I guess function, you know? Yeah. You know, it- it's so the way you phrase that's really interesting and funny at the same time. Um, so I, I grew up playing tennis. That was the one sport that I was remotely good at. Um, but over the years, over the years, I've, I've developed a, a really quite painful uh, lower back problem um, because mostly because of tennis. Um, it gives and it takes. Right. Um, and so I rarely play anymore, which I, I hate because I genuinely love walking on the tennis court and hitting a tennis ball. Um, but when it, when it hurts, it hurts and it's just not worth the pain, you know? And so it's just, I mostly gave it up because it just, it, it wasn't worth it. it. doesn't mean I don't love it. And I still love to watch it on TV. And I remember, remember the, the long nights of playing under the lights with, with my friends in high school, but um, it's no different than giving up something in life as an adult that sometimes you just got to gotta cut the cord and say, this isn't, this isn't mine anymore. And that's okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe hopefully, you know, when you're, when your daughter gets older, maybe you can, sort of get it back exactly you know just kind of like like plant the seed of like oh hey look that's yeah. tennis you want to learn about tennis or like hey you want to watch this uh this match with me you want to watch like the the right. what is it the uh the grand slam right that's right that, that's that's, right. that's tennis okay yeah yeah yep. i actually um i tried out for the tennis team in high school it's pretty Did funny no not at all <laughs> <laughs> well the year i tried out they actually had a uh large influx of of legitimate uh players and uh i actually did it um because i was convinced by my friend who wanted to do it and we didn't have money or anyone to to supply any tennis rackets or, or anything like that we, there's plenty of tennis balls yeah. because people leave them at the courts all the time and we ended up uh getting some sticks and, and taping them to binders oh my those, gosh yeah those are our tennis rackets and we would be playing at night like uh you know couple of weeks before the before the season started before tryouts started and like we actually got to the tryouts and we were like the first out like there was no there was no chance because uh, we didn't realize the tennis rackets were very very differently weighted to a stick and a binder a little bit <laughs> so little yeah bit. so that's um i mean I, I i enjoy tennis you know it's it's a it's a very great way to stay in shape and it's it's a fun um exercise I probably could never watch it just because I could never really watch any sports, but you know, <laughs> I, you know, I, I used to watch a lot more, at least a lot of, a lot of things before our daughter was born. Um, but there's just something I can, I can put golf on like on a Sunday and take a nap. Um, but I, I, you know, I can't watch sports very much anymore either. Maybe it's just cause I, I I'd rather be doing something else. Um, so I get that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've experienced this, but the whole sport watching thing, like I try to watch sports, I guess, because my friends watch sports. Um, yeah. And like, anytime I tell them I'm not, I'm not a football guy. I played football, but I'm not a football guy. 
Uh, sometimes I'll watch the NBA, but you know, like most of the times I just don't watch sports and, and yeah. a lot of people will actually be like, Oh, what, why don't you like, why don't you like sports? Like, like, you, you know, a lot of it boils down to like, Oh, you're, you're a dude, you know, you should like sports and you're a guy. And it's like, <laughs> I, I, yeah, but it's just not me, you know? Yeah. It's funny because people, people will talk, you know, at the water cooler about last night's game or whatever. I'm like, Oh, what happened? I didn't know there was a game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love sport. I genuinely love competition and, you know, that kind of thing, but I just don't follow it day to day or even remotely watch it on a regular basis. I don't know the last time I sat down and watched a full event start to finish. I mean, I, I just don't. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you either. I think the last full event I saw was a live football game at the uh, Panther stadium. Cause uh, here in Charlotte, we had the Panthers and, and, we got free tickets, so we went to go watch. And pretty much the whole time, I was just teaching my girlfriend like what was going on and what's happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but yeah, she probably forgot all about it. Like she doesn't watch sports either, so she was just yeah. totally confused. It was more of like an experience kind of thing. But yeah, like this that that uh, cooler analogy thing you were talking about earlier. The you know got a bunch of dudes just uh, cracking a cold one with the boys kind of idea. <laughs> I resonate with that because it does happen a lot. And it's like, they'll talk about things that I'm just not interested in or I don't care about. And it's just like, I want to care about it because, you know, they're my friends. I want to support what they're, they're passionate about. But most of the times I just don't get what they're talking about. <laughs> you know, it's, so I've got a friend who has a, a sports podcast and it's all about college basketball. He, he played basketball in college and uh, he still watches as much basketball as he can. Cause that, I mean, he was, he was good. Um, he was a good, good ball player. Um, but his podcast is all about hearing the stories from these fellow athletes. And, and I think I enjoy that because we've kind of touched on a little bit, the story of being an athlete and the ups and downs and the, the trials and tribulations. Like there's, I get empowered by that more than watching the actual, the actual game or match or, or whatever. So it's, it's kind of this, two piece of the story like you can watch the sport you can just learn about the guy who who overcomes crazy obstacles and manages to you know sink the winning shot to win you know the the championship so it's it's interesting because I, I will spend more time listening to to podcasts or or interviews and or or reading about you know athletes than watching what they actually do yeah you're more you're more about the process and the methods yeah. you know yeah. I, I dig that because I, I feel like i'm on a similar uh wavelength you know it's like i, I I'm more interested in not, not why, like how they play, but like more why they play, you know, kind of like, like someone like LeBron James, you know, he's, he's such a prolific player. And it's just like, he is literally a once, not just a once in a generation, but like a once in a a sort of like century kind of, kind of guy. And it's just like incredible to hear, I mean, obviously his accomplishments on the court or whatever, but like to hear that he comes from this this very rough background and now where he has the fame, he has the fortune, he's giving back to that. You know, he's he's trying to give back to the kids that were like him. And that's way more entertaining for me. You know, that's that's way more, uh, like you said, inspiring and motivating to hear. Yeah. So a similar story is Andre Agassi from the tennis side who um, hated school, was a terrible student, but he happened to be good at tennis. Um, and in the first half of his career, he was this showman who treated everyone like shit and just, he was good. Like he won everything he touched. And, um, then he, he kind of fell off the radar. I feel like he got in, he got into drugs a little bit, had a bad marriage or relationship. I don't remember. Um, and then he clawed his way back and on his second, essentially his second tour as a professional, like he was, he was a respectful player and he won tournaments and, in that kind of off period, he created, I think it's called the Andre Agassi Academy in Las Vegas, where he lives now. And it was all to, it was a different way to teach kids because he hated school. It's like, how do I get kids to be excited about school and learn? Cause I know that I missed out on learning because I hated it and wasn't taught the right way. And you know, that kind of thing. And so similarly, he's doing good with the, the, the cards he was dealt, you know? And so there's, that story is way more interesting to me than the, the nine grand slams he went or, or whatever number, whatever number he had, you know, it's what can you do with the cards you've been dealt to better the world that we have, that we all share, you know? Yeah, actually, um, I really, I really like those, those stories, you know, it's like when, when you give back to, to where you started, because that's where you come from. Um, 
yeah. especially in sports, man, where, where those, like, there's a reason they're there. It's not just their talent. It's, it's the fact that they, they worked hard and they wanted to, to, to better their, their lives or whatever. And then I actually, um, so I'm a big fan of MMA, like mixed martial arts. And, uh, there's this one really infamous fighter and his name is, uh, Fedor, uh, Fedor Emelianenko. He's a Russian guy. And, um, he was asked in an interview once, it doesn't, you know, he's not, he doesn't have like charities or he does have some charities. He's actually, he was in the Russian parliament or whatever it was, their equivalent of, of the parliament. But, um, yeah, there's people asked him like, what, what motivates him? And, uh, he said, you know, came from a really rough background, came from a really bad childhood. And, uh, the reason he fights so well is because he imagines every, every man that he faces is going to put him back in that place. And so he just, he just goes into a rage about it, you know? And so it's, it's, that's, that's interesting (laughs) because like he is an amazing fighter, an amazing athlete, but a lot of it has to do with like his mentality over it. You know, a lot of it has to do with like his, his pure instinctual motivation to, to never be put back in that spot, you know? And I, again, it's, it's so much more entertaining and um, what's the word captivating to, to, to hear and, and see those stories. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's dozens and dozens on across every sport about athletes who grew up in a war torn nation or who came from, you know, challenged homes or who had nothing or, you know, they're everywhere. And, and I, I, yeah, I agree. There's just so much more empowerment um, in hearing those stories and how do we leverage that and help them, you know, extend their mission even farther. Yeah. And I also think it's, um, not just for the kids that come from that background, but also for, you know, the, the kids that came from, I guess, you know, you and our background where we're not from these war-torn countries We're you know, where we were like yeah. uh, middle-class or, or maybe even like lower middle-class. And we, we had, you know, decent to well enough educations, you know, and good, good families, um, good, decent upbringings, you know, relatively, better upbringings than what they experienced and we can still hear those stories you know and and still be pushed to to be like you know our lives aren't that bad and yet they're right. doing so much better we should ascend as well you know that that sort of idea yeah and it, yeah you're right it can challenge you to to be better and how do i use the cards that i've been dealt to to make to make impact like i'm i'm never going to have lebron james money and that's okay <laughs> Um, but I have, I have the same amount of time in the day that he does. Right. And so how can I use that time in the day to make impact in, in my home and my community? However, wherever I see the need, like how can I make the world just a little bit better? And that's, it just goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. Like I want to make sure that every moment that I live is, is, um, full of, uh, happiness and joy and love and respect and, um, take advantage of all the opportunities that come, come across my plate so that I can live that best life possible. Yeah. That's actually one of my, my mantras is, um, you know, trying to be the best version of yourself. And, um, you know, like it, it I, I use it more for sort of, cause I used to be a, a coach and an instructor for, for like, or like a fitness trainer and all this. And then one of my biggest motivating, uh, phrases was, you know, you, you don't get good. You only get better. And I, I believe that applies more as well to like, even happiness in life, you know, like it, it, it doesn't get good, but it does get better, you know, cause yeah. we, we all experience these, these pains. We all experience this sort of sadness and, um, you know, we just, we just got to tell ourselves that it's, it's never going to be a hundred percent happiness all the time, but we, it's our jobs to find what little happiness we can find and, and work off of that, you know? Yeah, it's about finding that joy each and every day so that you can level up and take that one, you know, one step forward. I was, I, I somehow stumbled onto um, Matthew McConaughey's Oscar speech the other day, totally <laughs> random. On YouTube. Um, thank you, algorithm. Um, and, and it was all, he, he told the story about, um, he'd been asked when he was young, like, who's, who's your hero in 10 years or something like that? Uh, and his answer was, well, it's going to, it's me. Like, my hero is going to be me in 10 years. And the guy was like, well, please explain that more. And he basically says, I always want to be striving to be the best version of myself. 
but I'm, I'm never going to get to that 10 years. Like it's, it's always going to be 10 years away. I'm always going to be trying to get better and be better and act better. And I was like, that's so true. And at least how I try to view myself, like I'm not a perfect human being. I'm not a perfect father. I'm not a perfect husband. I'm not a perfect marketer, but damn, I'm going to keep trying each day. And each day I get a little bit closer, right? I, I read a little bit more. I learn a little bit more. I add a little bit more knowledge to, to that bank. And, um, maybe one day I'll catch it, but I probably won't. And that's okay. That's part of the journey, but being a little better every day, that's a pretty good goal. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about, um, you know, like you said, chasing, chasing that dream, chasing that, that sort of uh perfection. And that's like, that should be everyone's like blueprint, I guess, for, for, for life. Not, not the exact design, but at least like the, the foundation, you know, the foundation, the blueprint. And, yep. and so, um, you know, your daughter's like, you said almost two. I would assume that she's not at that age where she can form coherent sentences, you know, that, that, that shouldn't be at the no, time, right? Just, that's a scary thought. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, when she does, like. She's got it. She's got it. I'll let her. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to ask, like, when she does, like, what's, what's probably like one of the first, um, I guess, major conversations you're going to have with her? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, so I talked to her a lot. Um, early on, I talked to her a lot about the world she lives in. I talked to her about her her family, um, her mom and her the siblings that that she doesn't know yet. Um, talked to her about our families. Um, I just she obviously will never know what what those conversations were, but I wanted her to hear my voice and someone in the back of her brain, you know, hear those stories. Um, oh boy. It'll probably be something about our dog or, um, she, she loves to grab books off the shelf and just make us read them to her. Like that was my fault. I, I read her every day of her life since we got home. Um, because it's, it's, it was important to me that she, she loved books as long as she can. That's such a good question. I've never thought about it. What that like first big conversation will be. Um, it'll probably, honestly, it'll probably be something about like treating people with kindness. Um, cause it'll probably be a lesson where someone treated her poorly or she treated someone else poorly. And it's, that's, you know, life lesson moment that'll, that'll happen. Um, and I, I've, I have thought about those conversations and how hard, like, how do you, how do you speak at that level? So it makes sense, um, for a person who's, you know, limited in the comprehension, but at the same time, as a three and four year old, they know the world around them. And so it's, it's, I'm looking forward to it, but also it's a scary period, but uh, yeah, it'll probably be around kindness and love. Yeah. I, I like that. You know, like um, for me, I, I wouldn't say like love is my religion, uh, but it is definitely a, like a, a tenant of it, you know? Um, yeah. One of the, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I say this a lot, but one of my thoughts on life is that I, I personally could never truly hate anyone. Um, no matter what they've done to me, no matter what they've done in general, they are human and they, they, while they may not always deserve love and affection, there is, there is a, a specific limit, you know, um, a low limit and a high limit. And, and, I mean, I can't predict the future, like, like when, or even if I'll have kids, but, you know, similar to you, I think probably one of the first things I, I, um, want to not, not teach them, but at least, um, let them know is that the, the idea of limit of love, you know, like there are, there, the low limits and the high limits that, that love is always going to be a factor, you know, and, and, and not just love, but also peace and, and, and happiness and joy. There's always going to be something like that in the world. and, and you know, it's, it's up to you to, to understand where and when you can find those and keep those. Yeah. Keep those. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it's important for, for, for all kids to know and understand and all adults to know and understand that, you know, to, to always recognize that, that those emotions, those feelings are, are there. Sometimes they're clouded. Sometimes there's a storm around them, but they're there. Yeah. Actually, um, speaking of storm, I actually have like a, you know, just kind of, you, you brought this into my mind. I actually used to always ask the, these series of questions 
to people to really sort of get a feel for their current mentality and their current uh, perspective. And I got to make sure I, I, I remember it correctly. So what is it? I should have prepared for this. I, d- I wasn't expecting to, to have this come into my mind. Quick, fill the void. Just tell, tell a story. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, now you put me on the spot to tell a random story. <laughs> That's exactly how this is supposed to go. <laughs> so I will say, uh, I, I, you have a dog. I have a dog. Uh, ours is a French bulldog, and we've had him. He's almost six years old. Um, and he's a very affectionate dog. Like he sometimes he acts like a cat and how much he wants to just lay on you and like just touch you and be next to you. And it's sweet and annoying at the same time. Um, (laughs) and our, our daughter like loves to just lay next to him or just like give him hugs and he wants nothing to do with her. Like he doesn't like, he's not mean to her but like she'll lay down next to him and he will get up and find a new spot to lay. And it's like, dude, she's trying to give you love. <laughs> oh man. I, I, that's another thing. Cause like my, my dog, she's about a year old um, and she's very affectionate, yeah. you know, but the thing is she's never really interacted with, with kids. Um, and the few yeah. times she has, she thinks they're other dogs. Cause she's a beagle. So she's small. Yeah. Um, but she's, oh, yeah. she's, so she sees these kids, especially like these toddlers that want to play with her and she thinks it's another dog. And so she'll like do the like play biting or she'll like push them around. It's like, yep. oh, you shouldn't do that. And the parents like, Oh, it's okay. It's like, no, it's yep. not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I found the uh, questions by the way. So the first question is uh, think of an open field. How big is the field? Okay. Uh, huge, huge. What's it filled with? Uh, wildflowers. Okay. Now think of a cube. How big is the cube? <laughs> uh, two inches. Two inches. <laughs> uh, what is it made of? <laughs> Plastic. Plastic. Okay. So you got a big field filled with wildflowers, and there's a cube made of plastic. Okay. Keep that in mind. Yep. Now think of a ladder. How long is the ladder and where is the ladder located in the field? Uh, it is laying uh, in the field and it's uh, a 12 foot ladder. 12 foot ladder. All right. Now there's a horse. What color is the horse and what is the horse doing? Uh, brown and it is eating. Eating, okay. Eating wildflowers. <laughs> well, that's okay or not, but it's <laughs> okay. And now the final question: There's a storm. How far is the storm? Ten miles. Ten miles. Is it passing or going, or is it passing or coming through? Coming. Coming. Okay. Yep. All right. And so now there's a way to sort of inter- interpret all of that, and the field is a representation of your mind. So it's sort of like the, 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 you know, the width of your mind, you know, so you said a big field filled with wildflowers and, and I'll be honest, you can take the wildflowers however you want. I, I think it's more kind of like a wild child sort of, uh, you know, open and, and <laughs> free mentality, you know, like the wildflowers and having a big field, a big mind is, is pretty cool. I think I'd like to think now the cube, the cube represents you. You said it was two inches <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's more, not, not just you pers like physically, but more, um, I, I, I guess like your, your mentality, like sort of like, uh, your, your ego. So you, you sort of, you know, small cube, two inch cube. That's, it's more humbling, I guess, you know, you're, you're very, you have a lot of humility, um, and plastic. I mean, I, I don't know how to interpret that. <laughs> I don't know. and um what else the ladder now the ladder is more sort of like um your goals and i I would say a 12 foot ladder is is moderately sized wouldn't you say and um what where exactly what's the ladder again i think i just said laying in the field laying in the field so i would imagine that means more sort of like um 
you know, you're, you're, it's, it's there, your goals are there and you know, you're, you're trying to achieve them, but, but they're not exactly like always in front and center, you know, especially if you being a, a parent, you having other responsibilities that that sort of tracks, I think. And with the horse, this horse is sort of, um, <laughs> the idea was like more of like, uh, your, your soulmate. Um, I don't know why it's a horse, but the horse is your soulmate. And so, um, I don't know what eating means. <laughs> Maybe your husband is a very hungry individual, <laughs> but you know, he, he loves to bake. So there's something there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That, that actually, that actually makes some, some pretty good sense. Um, and you said it was a brown horse. I actually, I believe there's a yep. specific answer for brown horse. Yeah. So for brown horses, you prize comfort and reliability. Um, and so your, your partner is, is sort of a representation of that being that color. Is that, sure. does that track? Yeah, I would agree with that. And the final thing was the storm. So the storm is, is sort of like, um, it's, it's like the outlook of your life uh, on your life, like how you perceive the world. Um, and the storm being pretty far away, you said what, 10 miles, um, miles and coming that coming towards you. That's, that's sort of, um, you know, it's, 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 it's harder to pinpoint because you, you can take it how it is, you know, like a storm can be good or bad, you know, like, uh, if it's a bad storm, then obviously, you know, you, you feel like you, there's a lot of pressure on you. If it's a good, you know, if it's just like a regular sort of like a rainstorm, then it's more of just your understanding that there are going to be, you know, like we said, bad times and, and it's up to you to find sort of like the, um, the joy in it, you know, just like your book, when the rain comes, you just got to play in the puddles right yeah so that was a really you know i'm sorry it took me so long to find that (laughs) it's been a long time since i've actually had to ask someone these questions you know i used to actually ask it a lot when um for me personally like at the time um i remember saying like the storm was above me um and the cube was was relatively large and the ladder was actually leaning against the cube um and I think my horse was black and just running around. Yeah. I think there's, there's meaning to that somehow. I'm not sure what black means. Dominant, seductive, and sophisticated. I don't remember that. <laughs> Though it, it does, it does make a little sense. My girlfriend is a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> In a good way. In a good way. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And you know, it's sorry. It took forever to find that. <laughs> I'll probably have to do that. Let's do some editing to, rearrange that put this in front of the uh of the uh what was it the dog story <laughs> yeah let's see what time it is about an hour that that actually did not feel like an hour so you said well you're still in the midwest right so that's about like an hour behind right yeah okay when's your bedtime yeah because you're you're eastern right yeah east coast charlotte north carolina um, uh, usually, usually, yeah, usually it's about right now. Uh, I have a little bit of work to do yet tonight when this, when we're, when we're done here. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, um, I'll let you go. You know, that was, this is a great talk. Sorry to, have to end on a really weird, awkward note. It's <laughs> <laughs> all good. Yeah. Do you have any, uh, final like sayings or shout outs or anything you want to, you know, uh, da, 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 final sayings. So I think I'm, I'm going to steal another line from, from my band that I, my band, uh, <laughs> band that I love. <laughs> It'd be great if it was my band, but that's a skill set that I do not have. Um, they had a song probably 10 or 15 years ago, and it was uh, the shadow proof, the sunshine and to the conversations we've had about the storm and, and uh, you know, the rain and all that kind of stuff. You, and I love it so much because you cannot have a shadow, the darkness, without the sunshine yeah so if it's a a tough day a tough moment a tough week a tough year that sun is always there right and so it's just remembering that remind yourself of that so no this has been a great a great conversation um i've enjoyed it it's always good to reflect on random experiences that that are kind of just there and you never really talk about them and what lessons can you take from them you know 10 15 20 years down the line so um yeah happy happy to do it and um if people want to find me, they can find me online.
online. You have any, uh, you got any, uh, what are they called? Handles? I've got handles. Yes. Uh, <laughs> on Twitter and on uh, Instagram. It's just my first name, last name, Richard Didor. Uh, super easy to find me. All right. I dig it. So you said Instagram and Twitter. I actually don't use Twitter. I have a Twitter, but like I can't bring myself to start using it. You know, I, <laughs> I've, I've been an avid user of Twitter for 12 years. Uh, Twitter is how I found my first job when I lived in New York City. Um, I met someone and then they connected me with a hiring person. And so I just, I've just never given up on it. I like it. Yeah. I mean, Oh yeah, you're you're a marketing guy, so you know, kind of yeah, kind of got to keep yeah. with it. Yeah, you got to keep it with that social media <laughs> stuff. Right. Yeah, for me, right. it's just like I'm, I've actually been trying to minimize the amount of social media I use in general. Um, that's, yeah, that's yeah. Fair. Instagram too. Like, I barely ever use it. It's I I used to use it just for memes to share between me and my my girlfriend, but now at this point, yeah. it's just more like she shares it to me. I don't share it back. <laughs> okay. But um, yeah. I mean, if that's, that's it, when, when's your book coming out? Do you think? Oh God, I can't answer that question. All right. Well, <laughs> hopefully we're going to try, try and publish it through an actual agent publisher relationship. And I, I've never done the children's side. So I don't even know how that, what that timeline looks like. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep on following, following you and see uh, what happens with it. You know, what happens, you'll, yeah. Yeah, you'll post it on your, your Twitter and your Instagram and whatever Absolutely. future social media platform is out there in the, in a few years. But uh, either way, yeah. Richard, it's been awesome, man. Uh, it's been great getting to know you. Maybe we could do it again sometime if you ever wanted to, but um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been awesome, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Um, and for everyone out there listening, that was uh, Richard Dedor. Dedor, right? All right, and he's gonna, he's going to have a book coming out pretty soon. So for all of you parents out there, or even for your adults, I think it's going to be a great read. It's going to be something to keep in the library. Um, and like you said, you can you can follow him on his handles at uh, Richard Dedor or at Richard Dedor. Um, I don't even know how to use those those ads and hashtags. But either way, guys, um, thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing day. Get out there, get hungry, and good luck.